This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Welcome to Bartender Journey Podcast number 93. Thanks for listening. My name is Brian Vincent Weber, and I'm glad you're here sharing, sharing some time with me. Today on the show, I've got Raj Bhakta, and he's the founder and CEO of Whistlepig Rye, which is a very high-end rye. It's um, meant to compete with the best scotches in the world, So, uh, and, it, and it delivers on that. It's great stuff. So uh, we'll hear from him in a minute. Also, I want to talk about a new app called TipC, and it's T-I-P-S-E-E, all one word, and you can download that for, uh, iTunes, for uh, Android or Apple, and uh it's a great way to keep track of your tips, uh, but uh, I want to tell you about that. And um, you know, a lot of people scribble down their tips for each night on an, on a pad or a piece of paper, or they uh, will keep a computer file or something. But uh, some people just shove the money in their pocket and not think about it and just spend it as they go, which is not a great way to go. You want to you want to kind of figure out what you know how it's going and how you can uh, improve on your tips, and because it'll show you this app will show you how much uh, you're making per hour because you put in your tips for the night, you put in how many hours hours you work and you can figure out how much uh, you were making per hour which is uh, which is cool and uh, it's a great way to uh, try to up your game try to improve each night you know that would be that would be fun right you check out you see what you made last night oh I'm going to try to do better or you know let's say Saturday to Saturday or Friday to Friday you want to uh, compare apples to apples right so let's say uh, oh less Last Saturday I made such and such. This Saturday I'm going to try to beat that. So that that would be a great way to use, utilize that. Besides the fact it's the financially responsible thing to do to keep track of your tips. I want to talk about sangria for a minute. I have, a, unfortunately, uh, we have, <laughs> fortunately or unfortunately, we have that. Uh, we have a lot of requests for that. And um, in fact, on Saturday nights when we do our comedy uh, night, we get a real lot of uh, requests for that. And uh, in fact, I even wrote it on the comedy menu because so many people were asking for it. Um, and, uh, but some got sent back. Some people didn't like my recipe. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to make it ahead of time. A lot of people will say you have to make it ahead of time and it has to sit and marinate or whatever you want to call it. But, um, I, I don't want to do that because then, you know, I don't really have call for it for another six days. You know, it really only sells on the weekend. So I don't want to be making too much where I'm throwing it out. And I want to be running out to where I have to scramble to make it, uh, during the night. So, um, as usual, the only place you have to go for good information is Jeffrey Morgenthaler. This guy, I've talked about him on the show before. If you don't know who he is, you need to know. And uh, first of all, read his book called The Bar Book and his blog, jeffreymorgenthaler.com. So while I was searching for sangria recipes on the internet, I stumbled upon Jeffrey's posts on his blog and uh, his recipe, which is great. And I never would have thought of it. It's got red wine, Grammonier, which I used both of those already. Fruity red wine you want to use. I, I've been using Merlot. Um, he suggests some fresh-squeezed orange juice, some simple syrup, which I hadn't thought of, and believe it or not, bitters. Now, I never would have thought of that in a million years, but it's awesome. It's really good. And I uh, had somebody taste it. I was a little worried about the bitters. Like, I don't know uh, if, if uh, people are going to be ready for that in their sangria, but uh, I made some for first for myself to try it with and without the bitters. It was great. And then I uh, did a sort of a blind tasting with uh, a guest there who uh, I suspect had never tasted bitters in her life, <laughs> but uh, she, she picked the one with the bitters. So that was, uh, it's great, great recipe. And I'm so, and it doesn't have to be made ahead of time, which I'm excited about that. 
Jeffrey talks about uh, how everybody's got a sangria recipe and uh, most of them stink like an old sneaker. <laughs> like sneaker, I, I didn't say that right. But <laughs> read his blog. I'll put a link to it in the show notes on bartenderjourney.net, my website. And um, so, uh, but he says that don't let anybody tell you there is a specific recipe for sangria. There's tons of them and uh, none is right or wrong. Uh, but um, he doesn't say anything about letting it sit for any particular length of time. And this is a guy whose uh, opinion I respect tremendously. And um, so, yeah, that's my new sangria recipe. Anybody else out there got a sangria recipe they want to share with me? This is something I never um, got a firm handle on, to tell you the truth. So uh, if you got anything, let me know. You can uh, email me at vince.bartender at gmail.com, or you can uh, go to the Bartender Journey Facebook page, just search the search bar for Bartender Journey, or you could tweet at me at barkeeptips, and uh, what else, is that it? I think that's it. And uh, so, yeah, please, I'd, I'd love to hear your sangria recipes or stories. All right, well, let's get into that interview with Raj Bhakta. He's an interesting guy. He ran for uh, Congress, believe it or not. He was on The Apprentice with Donald Trump and uh, season two, I believe it was. And uh, he's an interesting dude, entrepreneur, and um, came out with a great, great product. So uh, here, we'll hear from him. Thank you for joining me. I have Raj Bakta on the phone, and uh, he is the creator and CEO of Whistle Pig Rye Whiskey. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So what, what made you uh, dive into rye particularly? You know, like, uh, like many things in life, sometimes the uh, best things happen uh, by chance. I, uh, I lost a congressional race in Pennsylvania, ended up buying a farm in my uh, uh, depression, I guess. And uh, after I bought the farm, the financial crisis hit, and I had to make the uh, farm work. So I thought about what I loved. I loved whiskey. And uh, then I got lucky by meeting the uh, former master distiller of Makers, Mark, who uh, had a great stash of rye whiskey that he found in Canada. Long story short, that allowed me to get into the business uh, nearly immediately, and uh, everything came together. How cool. You know, there's so many uh, new bourbons popping up, but uh, rye is actually really in demand and, and hard to find sometimes. So I, th- I think Yeah, rye grabbed- is really the ultimate whiskey. Of course I'm biased, I admit that. But, you know, it is really the tastiest whiskey that you can get. There's That's the good news. The bad news is it needs to be aged longer than other whiskeys. Mm. And, you know, in that regard, Whistle Pig is 10 years old. Most bourbons are, are five years old or so, uh, around there. And uh, once you allow a ride to really age, and you get the ultimate of whiskey, in my view. Oh, I lost you for a second. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, it is really a tasty, uh, tasty product, and uh, it's it's so in demand. You know, with the resurgence of old fashions and Manhattans, uh, it's it's really a great product. Now, you yeah, if you, you just push this back a little bit, I'm going to park here. It's okay. You you can't really do this. Sorry. Okay. Fine. I'm just going to park right here. <laughs> Welcome to New York. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. New York City. Yeah, I hear you. So you use uh, 100% rye. That's is that correct? Yes, it's 100% rye. That's that's a little unusual, isn't it? Most most uh, most whiskeys will be a blend of something or another. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no problem. It, you good? I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's kind of unusual to use 100% rye, isn't it? It is. It's very rare brand to use uh, 100% rye, and you know we're unique in that respect. Yeah, and you you have several different uh, products on the market, right? Are there, are there four? Am I? Is that correct? 
they're basically uh, in the market. There are we have two products basically. One is the ten-year-old one hundred percent rye. The other is the Boss Hog. And you know both of those are available in limited quantities, and we're primarily available on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say that you um, you wanted to kind of give Scotch a run a run for its money. Is that you know there's is she still yelling at you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> I've heard you say you want you were uh, looking to give Scotch a run for its money. You know why why should uh, America be excluded in the very high end whiskey market? Right. Exactly. I think that's a fundamental driving point behind Whistlepig. I mean, we have why do we occupy some of the best territory in the whiskey world? I mean, if you think of high end whiskey domestically and globally, it's generally represented by scotch, right? right. And, you know, why is that? Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's because we had a bit of a disadvantage in uh, in the history, essentially from Prohibition, but we're coming out with a phenomenal 12-year product, which is finished in Sauterne and Madeira casks, mm. and that will, uh, in my view, if you combine the best distilling techniques of North America, that is rye whiskey, and use the best grain, rather, which is rye, and you pair that with single malt scotch, you've got a true globe beater. And that's our, uh, that's our, uh, that's our initiative coming out with the old world release, which is a 12-year whiskey. Yeah, and put it, putting an age statement on rye, is, uh, that's another unusual thing that you're doing. But that's pretty cool. Yeah, essentially you don't see within rye whiskey or American whiskey in general any age statements. Right. Uh, because we generally don't age our whiskeys as long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whistle pig is very different in that respect that we start with a 10-year age statement. We're pushing up to a 12. Our boss hog is 14. So we're really, like, looking to compete with the best single malt scotches at the end of the day. And, you know, are essentially being patient it's different than many whiskey companies being patient and disciplined in our approach to build a long-term brand based on having the best whiskey in the bottle. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is uh, it is placed with the high-end scotches. In fact, I saw I saw a bottle of the Boss Hog in a uh, locked display case in a store yesterday, right next to some uh, you know right next to the Johnny Blue and some uh, Glenlivet uh, eighteen year and uh, you know the high-end stuff. So uh, price, the price points up there with it as well, huh? Yeah, it's about uh, it's about two hundred dollars a bottle, but the the price point is up there. At the end of the day, you know, if you if you look at Johnny Walker Blue, you know, it's a pretty widely available product. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whistlepig, you know, Boss Hog is a fifty barrel product. Yeah. Um, and okay, so I'm going to start another fight <laughs> here. The woman is yelling at me again, but uh, <laughs> yes, essentially, it's a very 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 high end product. Yeah. Yeah. What's the double uh, barrel aging process about? It's actually a quadruple barrel aging wow. product. Uh, it goes into New American Oak and then into an ex-bourbon barrel, back into New American Oak and into an ex-bourbon barrel. <laughs> so it's quadruple barrel aged and, uh, you know, a phenomenal product overall. What, what's sort of the philosophy behind uh, using all those different barrels? Pick up different flavors uh, along the way? It actually picks up a lot of fruit. Mm. Uh, you know, in the product overall, mm-hmm. like as a result of that, it really makes it unique. It picks up some fruitiness overall. Yeah. And, you know, that combination of extremely high proof with uh, a light uh, effect in the end is very rare. You don't find 120 proof whiskey that you can actually drink. Yeah, it is very nice. I get a little uh, apricot maybe on uh, on the taste, and uh, it, but it is very refined and uh, 
it, it's smooth. I mean, for something that that high in uh, alcohol, it's 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 remarkable, actually. I mean, you take a product and you rebarrel it, and that's the magic of whiskey. I mean, you uh, you know what happens between the whiskey and the wood is you know in many regards. Uh, it's not scientific. It's uh, it's not a science. It's it's more of an art, which is almost luck and practice. It's it's magic. Do you think there's any uh, the barrels are not that efficient, right? There, I mean, there's some evaporation there. The angel share, as it's called. And uh, do you think there'll ever be a time when uh, whiskey will be made in a sealed barrel with oak sort of placed in, like we see with the uh, staves for cocktails? You know. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the entire uh, industry of trying to age whiskey quickly is brand new. Mm. We don't know. What we do know is that aging in traditional American oak barrels over a long period of time results uh, in a superior flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some young whiskeys that I've tried that are terrific. Yeah. Uh, the majority of them are not. Yeah. Um, overall, you know, the beer game is one of freshness, and the whiskey game is one of age. <laughs> age but, and patience. You know, to answer your question honestly, we don't know yet. Overall, what we certainly do know is that old whiskey tastes better than young whiskey. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. All right, well, I won't keep you too much longer. I know you have a busy day, but uh, do you have any uh, any uh, rye cocktails that you uh, enjoy in particular? Anything you'd like to share with us? You know, I I just uh, made a terrific cocktail. I'm going to try to remember the ingredients. It was... Uh, Whistle pig, and a little bit of grapefruit juice, a little bit of lemon, a uh, pinch of maple syrup, mm-hmm. uh, some seltzer, and some uh, uh, basil leaves. Oh, yeah. Uh, muddle it together. It tasted terrific. That sounds uh, great. It's a great summer drink now that we're in the winter. Try an old-fashioned with, uh, with cider, actually, yeah. a good cider. Okay. Um, and you'd be surprised. Mm, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, thanks so much for talking to us, and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Where are you headed? Where are you headed now? Uh, heading to a meeting, and then uh, back up to uh, Vermont. I'm sorry about the uh, New York City parking drama in the midst of the interview. <laughs> Not a problem, Roger. It was such a pleasure. Hope to uh, share a, a drink with you one of these days. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, sir. Same to you. Thanks, Roger. Bye bye. That was fun. Raj was a little distracted by the uh, lady yelling at him. <laughs> for stealing her parking space or whatever happened there, I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, that was that was a great conversation. I enjoyed that. And uh, hey, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. Don't forget to check out the Tipsy app. It's T-I-P-S-E-E, and that's for uh, Android or iPhone. And uh, that's going to help you out. Keep track of your tips. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening, and cheers. We'll see you next time. Yeah.